0: Hello and welcome to How To Be A Money Magpie, the podcast from moneymagpie.com. I'm Jasmine Bertles, the founder of Money Magpie, and this podcast series looks at all sorts of aspects of money, from freebies to investing and from getting out of debt to making money on the side. And in today's programme, we're looking at investing in property, being a landlord, doing a buy to let and various other types of lets. And to help me with this, I have the wonderful Henry Pryor, who's a buying agent and on all TV, radio programmes that I'm aware of and in all media. Hello,
1: Henry. Good afternoon to you, Jasmine.
0: Tell me, Henry, you're a buying agent. What does that involve?
1: So I'm in the eyes of the law an estate agent, but as opposed to helping people to sell their houses, I work with buyers to source and acquire the home they want to purchase.
0: Ah, so is it just homes, it's not commercial as well, it's
1: just residential? No, just residential. It? I'm basically a glamorous personal shopper, <laughs> and going out and spending absurd amounts of money, helping people to allow them to fall in love with something, but not to be then emotionally compromised when it comes to the nitty gritty of negotiating with an estate agent.
0: Oh nice, so you do the actual negotiating and, and get them a really good deal. Correct. And we have Shannon Hall from lettingaproperty.com. Hello Shannon. Hello, Jasmine. So Shannon, explain to me, what does lettingaproperty.com
2: do? So we're a platform for self-managing landlords who want access to Rightmove, Zoopla, Prime Location in order to advertise their property. And the full support from all the legal documents, collecting the rent, even paying a landlord's rent every month if tenant does hit a financially difficult situation.
0: So Shannon, what do you think is the situation for buy to let at the moment from from what you're seeing coming through your website well i still think landlords are investing
2: i'm finding actually that a lot of first-time landlords are coming on board people that you know are keeping their current home renting out and looking to purchase and move elsewhere so i do think that there's still a lot of people looking to invest in buy to let at
0: the moment Um, When you say invest, are we talking in cities or outside? Because there seems to be a a general move out of the cities in the countryside and, and in the suburbs as well. Are you seeing the same when it comes to landlords or are they going into the city and thinking, oh, good, you know, there's some nice bargains to be had here?
2: Obviously, you're finding a lot of people at the moment, you know, they want bigger space, they're working from home, schooling the children, wanting outside garden space. You're getting those landlords that live in the city at the moment looking to explore other avenues and move away. So they've got their homes that they are looking to rent out. There's been a big drop in rent. Obviously, house prices have dropped as well. But rents have just been so high for so long inside London. I suppose rental prices coming down obviously it will affect affect the sale prices as well but on average outside of London you know it's a complete completely different conversation really house prices are high rental prices have increased as well and they are they're going like
0: hotcakes they really are So Henry, you you operate for buyers. Are you finding that people are asking you to look for bargains in cities or is it the same as everybody else? Is everybody going going out of the cities into the countryside and into the suburbs?
1: Well, I think that um, inevitably there's a broad spectrum of people across all sectors. There has been a marked change in appetite for what people are looking for over the last 12 months as I'm sure there will be over the next 12 months. We're clearly not through this by Mm -hmm. a long shot. And it will be fascinating to see how people are going to view the vaccine going forward. Are they gonna put it on like a suit of armor? And are (laughs) they therefore going to be content to go out and join crowds again in restaurants, in theaters, in cinemas? Are they gonna be happy to get in an aluminum tube with 300 complete strangers and, and fly for two hours to Magaluf? What are people going to be doing when it comes to the risks they're prepared to take? I, I think we've had numbers out this morning uh, looking at latest data on the English Housing Survey. number of tenants has fallen by nearly mm. half a million. Mm. Um, we're looking at um, some serious question marks over the long-term health of tenants. No doubt we're going to find when we come out of this, particularly as we head towards the end of the latest furlough extension, lots on lots and lots of people are going to be earning perhaps 80 percent of what they Mm -hmm. were earning 12 months ago and that is going to feed through into what rents can be paid and in due course as shannon says as a result what landlords and investors are prepared to pay we've also seen as you will know only too well jasmine a huge change In legislation, the burden on Mm -hmm. landlords, whether they're accidental landlords who are renting out a property they had thought they were going to sell, or indeed the professional investor who set himself up either um, some time ago or now thinking that this might be an interesting time to to get involved, the obligations on landlords and on agents is eye-watering and is not something to be underestimated. These days, if you don't approach it professionally, if you don't plan and prepare It's very quick that you're going to come a cropper and potentially very significant either fines or loss of income. And it's something that I would encourage listeners to take particular care of before they think they can just pile in.
0: Yeah, it's true. And then also we now have tax situation is nowhere near as friendly to landlords as it used to be. And I'm guessing, Henry, it, it could really get worse when the government decides to start clawing money back to pay for lockdown.
1: Well, I don't think the three of us have spotted where this magic money tree is supposed to be. So let's assume for a moment that there isn't one. We know that the pandemic is costing billions of pounds. And understandably, the government at some stage is going to have to start to try and recover some of what they haven't borrowed. They've got some long term borrowing arrangements and undoubtedly people are going to be doing clever things in number 11 Downing Street, as they always do. But they've got to raise revenue. The manifesto pledges not increase general taxation, for example. So I'm afraid property is a very soft and obvious touch. Landlords, property investors are only marginally more popular than bankers at the moment (laughs) in the eyes of politicians and much of the media. And I'm afraid that there will be very, very scant sympathy if taxes were to rise on those who own additional homes. So if you are buying a property, if you own a second property or an investment property, you must expect capital gains tax, for example, is probably the most obvious change that's being mooted and floated ahead of the budget on the 3rd of March. Tax levies are going to rise. The exchequer and political parties have worked out that they have to tax people's wealth rather than just their income in order to pay for their political promises and mm. that means I'm afraid that they are going to come for you.
0: So Shannon are you finding that there is a softening in in the number of people wanting to become landlords for this reason are you finding that people are actually trying to sell and, and get out of property as an investment or is there still quite an appetite for it? We are finding that some
2: are to sell but the new clients coming on board it's phenomenal we get we are still speaking to a lot of people and a lot of people are still uh, putting the properties on the market in order to find tenants um you know going to what henry says and um, and obviously the tax and whatnot there are a lot of changes and i do feel that landlords need to be very well aware of the the tax implications and certainly getting some advice from professionals accountants and whatnot to really understand what it will be and obviously yeah, whether it will be worth a return on their investment And obviously, this year is going to be the full year where we get no tax relief on interest rates as well. So that's probably going to have quite a big hit, especially for the higher rate taxpayers. I just think it's obviously quite important for people, let's say, starting off that they are well aware that they're not just looking at how much it's going to cost. Obviously, the the extra 3% stamp duty that is still in place, even with the stamp duty until the 31st of March, which probably not many people are going to benefit from now. If they're only, uh, if they're only going out, it's, uh, it, it's uh, probably not going to happen. But it's it's just being well aware of all of the costs and understanding what does need to be paid. And like you said, Jasmine, you know all of the mandatory legal certificates that go mm. along with renting, it, it is a minefield. And it is really important to understand that you know exactly what you need exactly what documents you need to serve, what needs to be signed, because if you do find yourself in a situation whereby you want to get your property back or the tenant stops paying rent or anything like that, you have to have all of your documentation in place to be able to act upon it and and proceed with next steps. So I do think
0: that making mistakes can become quite costly. Yes, so if there, there are still people who are keen to get into the market, Henry, do you think that it's worth considering at the moment buying in town, particularly in the centre of London, because there must be some amazing bargains to be had. And at some point, maybe in two or three years, people are going to come back into the city, I would have thought. So could it be seen as a as a long term investment right now?
1: Well, forgive me, this is going to sound rather damp of me, but I think that people should approach buying a property, whether it's to live in or as an investment, just as they would booking a summer holiday. This is not the time to be making that kind of commitment. We're in the middle of a lockdown. We're in the middle of a pandemic. We are technically in the middle of a recession. And as we've already just discussed, clearly there are some huge icebergs ahead of us, potentially Mm -hmm. on the taxation front. I think it's vitally important people understand and remember, particularly those who have not done it before, that you make money in property when you buy, not when you sell. And now is the time when you're buying a property that if you can get 5 or 10% less than you would otherwise have to pay for something, this would be the time to do it. But the uncertainty, I've no idea. I know, Although mm. I've done it for a long time, I have no idea what the market's going to look like in six months' time, let alone in six years' time. And unless you are supremely confident, or dare I say it, arrogant, I think now (laughs) is not the time to go and make that kind of capital decision if you're looking at making an investment as opposed to just purely speculating. And I think it's perhaps helpful to remind everybody what the difference is. There's nothing wrong with speculation, but it is akin to gambling, whereas investing in property is about the yield that the asset, in this case, the house or the flat you buy, is going to provide for you. Both are quite acceptable, but both are totally different or require totally different um, strategies when it comes to what they're going to buy.
0: And you're talking about the yield. Now, you have a rather nice, easy sum that we can use to work out the yield that you would get from the rental income from a property, don't you?
1: Well, I've got a fancy formula, if that's Mm. what you're thinking of. Yes, It's important that investors remember that they're pretty agnostic about where they invest on the whole. It might be in cash, it might be in stocks and shares, or indeed, it might be in property. But in order to be able to compare the risk and the rewards of the various asset classes, then that's when we look at yield, the income that each asset would generate. And when it comes to property, we look at the rent usually expressed per calendar month outside London or per week if you're buying a London property. Multiply that by 12 months in the year or 52 weeks in a year. Divide that by the capital value, the asking price if it's a property you're looking at buying and then multiply the resulting figure by 100. That'll give you a percentage. Now, when it comes to cash, if you put your half a million pounds or 200,000 pounds, whatever you're thinking of investing in property, if you were to put that in the bank, you'd be incredibly lucky if you got 1% interest on your money. You're probably going to get considerably less than that. Mm. But that's the return on cash. If, however, you bought stocks and shares, bought shares in Barclays Bank, for example, or Microsoft, you might expect to be paid a dividend, Once or twice a year. And that's the Mm. yield that on the shares will equate to typically, I think, Jasmine, you Mm. know far more than I, but perhaps notionally three percent. Would that be Mm. reasonable? Yes, I think so. Yeah, at the moment. Yeah. And historically, particularly of late, people investing in property, people who buy a property and then look at the rent as the yield on that property have been prepared to accept, certainly in the southeast of England, perhaps 3 or 4% gross, but that's far too low, in my Mm, opinion anyway, mm. when it comes to property because property is such an illiquid asset. Mm. It takes a long time if you want to get your money out as opposed to shares where you click a, a click of a mouse and on your day trading account, you're able to top up your bank account almost instantly. To get your money from property you've got to employ a letting agent or a platform like shannon's mm-hmm. uh, which will help you to find a tenant you've got to manage that ongoing relationship with a tenant there will be dilapidations repairs that need to be made when a tenant moves out and a new tenant moves in and indeed the void periods between one tenant moving and another moving in although you may find that lettingaproperty.com is going to fill some of those gaps which is great you've got to discount the gross yield uh, to come down to a net yield. And 3% on property just simply isn't enough. No. That is what you're typically looking at if you're a landlord in London. But uh, you've just uh, s- said and reminded us, Jasmine, 3% is what you can get on a far less risky uh, mm. asset uh, on shares. If you want to invest in property, in my opinion, I know lots of other people will disagree. No doubt we have lots of emails after this telling me how I'm completely wrong. But if you want to invest in property, I think you should be looking at a 6% or greater yield. And that's jolly difficult to get Mm. in London and the South East. But that is the sort of return you should expect or demand as an investor, considering the kinds of risks and overheads that you're going to or at least should be expecting to incur on the way through.
0: Well, exactly, but the big question, as you say, is where do you get that six to seven percent? Is it up north? Is
1: it Wales? Is it? Well, you can get six um, or seven or eight or nine or indeed double-digit yields in Newcastle, for example, in some northern cities. Not because the Geordies are, although they are indeed much nicer and happier people than <laughs> us grumpy southerners. Um, they're not. Uh, you get a bigger reward because. Bluntly, you're taking a bigger risk. The reward you're getting in the shape of a 10 or 11% yield reflects the fact that tenancies may not be as robust. There's a good deal of employment in the state sector, government employees, for example. Employment prospects aren't necessarily as robust as a landlord might wish. And therefore, landlords demand a greater yield because they're taking a greater risk in areas away from London, where traditionally those landlords will get those kind of returns.
0: And of course, we've got all sorts of, of different types of lets. I mean, Shannon, I, do, do any of your people let to students, for example? I mean, that must be a, a, what, what used to be a nice, solid way to, to rent has suddenly become very problematic. Absolutely. I mean,
2: going with what Henry says, the 6%, that's certainly what I recommend when I speak to landlords and and that, that's sort of the base that, that I go with. Purchasing and obviously investing in uni accommodation and, and uni house does generate a high yield for buy to let investors. But on the flip side, you've still got to take into consideration, obviously, applying for things like a HMO licence, managing that property, the void period within the summer months. So It's very much market research, buying in the right area for the right purchase price, and really understanding that market before you go ahead and and purchase
0: and hoping that they don't close down the universities. I, I'm hearing about it from students you know who are not getting money back and so there's there's quite a, a fight going on I think between Absolutely. Uh, private landlords and students or students parents anyway. And even universities as well you know they're
2: investing mm. a lot of money to build their own university mm. accommodation and you, you know students are opting for that rather than going with a private landlord and a uni house so I think there's going to be a few changes but at the end of the day that uni market is still there it's just really understanding the particular city that you want to invest in because every city is different of course understanding how much accommodation is already there and supplied for by the university but you are quite right at the moment a lot of universities are doing the virtual are are they going to continue to adapt to this? And the same with working from home and the, the offices and whatnot, there will be a bit of a shift, I believe. But on the flip side, I do feel that students still need that accommodation and, and it will still continue to be there. It's very much, again, looking at the cost, um, understanding the rental value that you're going to get. So it's really making sure, again, that the, the yield is there, it's worth keeping, it's worth keeping hold of, that there is going to be a longer term investment, that the property is up to a standard that's going to be easy to maintain as well. Because as soon as there's a landlord
0: with a bit of emotion to a property, it's quite hard to let go. Yes, quite. So, so really th- the message is you have to look at it with a, a cold, hard investment eye absolutely (laughs) whether it's your old house or not well as you know we often have money magpies who get in touch with us about their questions and their situation and uh, today we have brian jordan who has a couple of investment properties in london he also lives in london and uh, he's told us why he enjoys his properties and why he's even thinking of buying another one
3: i have a funny old little portfolio i have two properties in kidbrook which is in South East London, and they're actually next door to each other. And I bought them both at the same time. There's something about having something for your money that's, that's tangible and you can see and know and understand. And because my properties are in London, I think even if the, the floor dropped out of the property market, I would still make money on them if I chose to sell them sort of thing. So one thing I would say to every, anybody, anybody who is thinking about doing buy to let, when the state agent says, I'll manage these properties for you for X percent, then say not good enough, not good enough. Want it better than that? And they will always go down. They will always do it for much less because it does take a lot of the responsibility of collecting the money, doing things like the um, the, the checking up of, of the potential renters bona fides etc they do all that for you they do all the contractual stuff for you which is preferable they do the things like the necessary things like the electrical checks and the gas checks and all that kind of stuff so you know they, they do that sort of stuff for you i would say when you look at location think about why you're looking at that particular location but also i think i think when you're talking about location you don't just go okay if that's a good place because it's a good place to be, or whatever. It's worth looking at the, what you want from that location and what's happening in that location going forward. I think that's really important. And also, do look at the hard sums of you know, is it worth my while, and be realistic about what those rates, what what those rates will be. But but you can get some very very good rates, and that will continue for some time. The interest rates are going to stay low for some time, given coronavirus and the way the economy will need money to be circulating.
0: So Brian has two properties very close to each other in South London, and he's thinking of buying another one, possibly in a similar area. Henry, do you think it's a good idea to do that, to buy properties in in the same sort of area? I mean, it must be easier to get to and sort out if there are problems.
1: The advantage for Brian is that he knows that area and he can make a more informed decision as a result. If you've got something that's working, as they famously say, if it ain't broke, don't fix it. So (laughs) if it's working and he can still make it work going forwards, then why move? It's much easier to manage your portfolio in one place
0: Yeah, it certainly is. Well, thank you so much for that information and good, strong advice. Shannon Shannon Hall from lettingaproperty.com and Henry Pryor, buying agent and uh, media man, all things to do with property, I know. Thank you so much for that. And don't forget to follow us on Twitter and Instagram. Our handle is, of course, at Money Magpie, or you can follow me on Twitter at Jasmine or on Instagram at Jasmine Bertels. And if there's a particular subject you'd like us to cover on the podcast, just let us know on the Money Magpie message boards. We love to get your ideas. Today's episode was presented by me, Jasmine Burtles, and our producer was Jenny Burtles. The music was composed for Money Magpie by Thomas
3: Hewitt Jones.